1758, Robert Robinson wrote, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, a well-known hymn, the melody of which I played for you just a moment ago on the xylophone. The second verse, according to most hymnals, begins, Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I'm come. Rarely have I met someone who can tell me to what Ebenezer here refers. And, as Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol, with its leading character Ebenezer Scrooge, was not published until 1843, some 85 years after the hymn's debut, Mr. Scrooge, surely, is not it. Good morrow, everybody. My name's Ben Laboot, and Merry Christmas from Stories of Symmetry. No bah humbugs this holiday. Let's figure out Ebenezer. The word Ebenezer appears three times in the Bible. 1 Samuel 4.1 says, Now the Israelites went out to fight against the Philistines. The Israelites camped at Ebenezer, and the Philistines at Aphek. The story continues through the next chapter, which begins, After the Philistines had captured the Ark of God, they took it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Most scholars agree that Ebenezer, in these instances, is the proper name of one specific location whose precise location is currently unknown. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, we are told that Samuel then took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. Mizpah was a city, and Shen, the Shen in Hebrew, meaning the tooth, was probably a named notable crag or rock or rocky feature. In the story, there was another rock, and this one Samuel named Ebenezer and placed between the city and the Shen. As he did, he said that the Lord had helped them thus far. The word Ebenezer, Eben Ha'ezer, in Hebrew, from the words Eben, meaning stone, and Ezer, meaning help, literally means stone of help. So there we go. Ebenezer means stone of help. Ebenezer was a cairn erected by Samuel to remind the people that God helped them during difficult times. In the specific instance recorded in 1 Samuel 7, it was because the Lord had defeated the Philistines in battle, using awesome thunder as a mighty display to panic the Philistines and turn them back in a rout. There are several named stones in the Bible. Not even thinking about the Apostle Peter, whose name means rock or stone, nor the white stones mentioned in Revelation to the church at Pergamum, on which are written new names known only to the ones who receive them. Rather, thinking of ones like the Stone of Zoheleth, Eben Hazoheleth from 1 Kings 1.9, or the Stone of Departure, Eben Hazel from 1 Samuel 20.19, whereat David and Jonathan bid each other farewell in one of the most heart-wrenching scenes ever put to pen across all the literature of the world. There are even unnamed stones, like those gathered from the bottom of the Jordan in Joshua 4. After the exodus from Egypt, 
the Red Sea, Mount Sinai, a generation of wandering in the desert, and all the epic events recorded in the books of Moses. When finally Joshua led the people into the Promised Land, this is how it happened. The people were on the other side of the Jordan River, just opposite the land and the city of Jericho. And God instructed the priests to take the ark upon their shoulders and wade into the river. As soon as their sandals touched the water, the river stopped flowing. The priests stood there on the dry ground where the river had just been flowing, as the entirety of the Israelite nation passed before them and crossed into the promised land. Once everyone had gone, Joshua called for twelve men, one from each tribe, to grab stones from the middle of the river, put them on their shoulders, and take them with them, to be with the people as they went so that, in the future, when their children were to ask, what is the meaning of these stones? They could reply that the flow of the Jordan had been cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. You see, stones can remind us. A stone can act as a souvenir, a memory. Ebenezer, which Samuel placed, was a stone of remembrance, that whenever a person looked at it, he or she might be reminded of how God had helped. In the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, the lyrics, Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I'm come, mean that we, when we sing it, are supposed to metaphorically, or I suppose physically if you have it, raise, that is lift up in the air, whatever Ebenezer we have, whatever reminder of what God has done in our lives, and reflect that, Hither by thy help I'm come, that I have gotten to this place only through the help that God has given me. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I'm come, and I hope, by thy good pleasure, safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when, a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he, to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. The lyrics of the song make me think that Christmas is a good time to remember God's help, how Jesus entered the world to help it, to save it. If you don't have an Ebenezer in your life, make Christmas the first one. Treat it like the twelve rocks Joshua had pulled from the river, that when our children, or we ourselves, look around at the Christmas decorations and ask, why do we do this every year? What does it mean? We reply, because we cannot save ourselves, Jesus entered the world on our behalf. He was born, lived, and died for us. And when we wander, he seeks us and, with grace, forgives us. Jesus sought me when, a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he, to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. My name is Ben Laboot, and thank you for joining Stories of Symmetry, a podcast and blog dedicated to revealing beauty and purpose through another look at faith, the sacred, and the stories that unite us all. Speaking of remembering, don't forget to visit storiesofsymmetry.com and follow at Stories of Symmetry on Facebook and Instagram 
for blogs, episodes, and more. Concluding today's episode is The Melodious Christmas Melody, our music from the previous Christmas bonus, Grace from Anger. We'll reconvene in the new year, so until then, Merry Christmas, and as always, go with God, go in peace.